Hello, everyone. It's me, DM Nathan, and I am excited to once again welcome you to another episode of Reckless, a talk, our bi-monthly TTRPG creator interview series where we give you a glimpse into the minds and hearts of some of our favorite and hopefully your favorite creators. This week, I am thrilled to have sat down with Joe and Harlan Guthrie, two titanic workhorses of the TTRPG scene. The two have been creating tabletop and audio drama content for the better part of a decade, delighting thousands of people each week across their array of shows, most notably the Invictus Stream, the award-winning Dice Shame 5e podcast, and the cosmic horror drama Malevolent, which was recently added to the Rusty Quill Network. Joe and Harlan are each incredible, hardworking, and knowledgeable creators in their own right, but also offered really incredible insights in working together as friends and spouses, as well as full-time content creation work, the power of storytelling, and the joy of giving maximum effort to making cool shit. They are two people that we very much look up to, and we hope that you will share our enthusiasm for them and their work once this interview is all said and done. We talk systemless gaming, community building, and practicing gratitude, and a whole slew of other things. We hope you enjoy, and we will see you for our next episode of Reckless Attack on Tuesday. Hi, Joe and Harlan. Hi. Hi there. This is the interview starting. How how are you today? (laughs) Oh, well, I'm ready for an interview to start. Right now. Great. This minute. Great. I'm glad that I could help you self-actualize those dreams in this exact moment in that exact (laughs) way. Yeah. You're on Reckless Talk. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having us. This has been a a blast. It's nice to be here. This is already a blast and nothing's happened. I'm excited. Yeah, it was, it's always reckless to talk is always a it's just great because I get to learn, I get to cry, I get to get exposed to different viewpoints and ways that people create and reasons that people create. But also it's like, hey, you're really cool and we're really busy. And so here's a way for us to kind of hang out while making hashtag content so we can like make it OK that we're doing <laughs> these things. So Best of both uh, worlds. We get yeah. content. Exactly. Make it content. Thank you again for joining. Could you tell the listener who who you are and what you do? (laughs) Uh, I'm Joe Fallick. I am the DM of Dice Shame podcast. And I am also the co-host, I guess, showrunner of the Invictus stream. So Invictus has been around for, God, about seven years now. I joined Towards the beginning of it, though, uh, I was not around for its inception, and that's a Wednesday night stream. Harlan will tell you a little bit more about that. Dice Shame is our edited actual play podcast. Um, I'm really proud of it, and uh, you should take a listen. You should be. It's very good. It's a very good show. <laughs> and Harlan is my husband as of one month ago today. Yeah. Was, yeah high five. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah. My name is Harlan Guthrie. I uh, edit said podcast, I shame, as well as I act on it. I also have a audio drama called Malevolent, which is a horror oh, eldritch yeah. uh, show on the Rusty Quill Network that I write and record weekly. 
And based on Patreon decisions, it sort of envelops into a larger show, which I release publicly every month or so, probably on the first. In fact, there's a new episode that came out yesterday. So, Yes, indeed. Episode 22 as of recording. Hells yeah. And uh, I do a myriad of audio things in a bunch of different worlds. But uh, overall, I'm just I'm a big believer in making cool shit. Yes. Yes. Did I swear on the show? Cool I didn't shit. ask that, actually. You know, and that's usually part of the pre-show preamble is, uh, yeah, cusses are allowed. I feel like as Canadians, we do tend to yeah, dabble. we swear quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, we're a Chicagoans, so same. Like, mm. I think from <laughs> same, my limited same, experience same. in Toronto, it was it's it's very similar vibes, or at least on the same wavelength. That's good. So, yes, cuss away. Do we won't many be shocking cusses. each other. No, right. Exactly. It's, it is, <laughs> it is loosey goosey, you know, this is conversational. And sometimes you, you say, you say ass in conversation mm-hmm. and that's Whoa. fine. We do. Yeah, we do often. <laughs> so ass, 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 get it. Nice. I'm that's going to isolate that. That's why I paused so that then I can make that my <laughs> ringtone. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) So you guys are so far of the people that I have talked to easily the longest running, uh, you know, like content creation, people, platform, etc. So I'm really excited to kind of get into into your your evolution, your your kind of relationship with content creation stuff. But first, I want to take that step back and start this interview as we start so many. What was your guys's individual and group introductions to D and D, to tabletop role playing games, to into the kind of fantasy fiction sci fi genre? Great question. Um, I mean, I've I've always been a nerd uh, growing <laughs> up. Definitely was not part of the cool crowd. I was more one of the kids whose uh, nose is buried in a book while you're riding the school bus. Um, and I think that served me well, ultimately, although I didn't think so at the time. So I have an older brother. He's just 18 months older than me. As I think many younger siblings are wont to do, I really idolized him all through our childhood. So whenever he would be, uh, tramping through the woods, I would be hot on his heels (laughs) after him. And he was also a diehard nerd. So anything Devin did, I wanted to do. Um, that included all the video games that he picked up and played, starting with obviously just regular old Nintendo, you know, Dragon Warrior and a lot of Zelda stuff. But also we kind of had a proto D&D game that we would play <laughs> uh-huh. that we called Quest together. We lived in the country, so we would just head out into the woods in the backyard or my Opa's place. They had about 50 acres, so we would just run around in the woods and hit trees with sticks and pretend to be (laughs) elves and other things that we learned about um, in the Tolkien books that we read or whatever other fantasy novels we found ourselves with. And that kind of evolved into just a love of nerdy literature and video games. I didn't really play any official tabletop RPGs until I was in my early 20s. I kind of blame the patriarchy for that because (laughs) I don't think young girls were really welcome around the gaming table for a long time, and they still aren't in some circles. So it took sort of finding the right friend group to introduce me. My best friend, uh, Ash, was my first DM. 
and they led me through a number of campaigns. And uh, then I took the the dive into DMing when I was in my mid twenties. I got into Adventurers League D and D play Ooh. for uh, Toronto area gamers. Um, so I became a community organizer eventually, and then I found my way really? to Poland. Yeah. Full going into the game store, running for strangers, taking whatever pre-written things were were on the on the menu for that month, that kind of stuff. That's right. Yeah, I did convention organizing as well. So wow. once I had done a little bit of DMing on my own, I got right into um, running tables at conventions, and then pretty quickly I was also organizing volunteers and sitting behind the sign up table at Breakout Con and at Fan Expo to get folks in seats. We ran some epic games which had, you know, multiple different people playing the same game all at once. So if you had like a high level caster at one table and they cast control weather, you'd have to send a runner out to all the different tables to say like, it's raining Whoa. now, guys. It's difficult to rain. Everyone deal with it. Cause like this level 19 wizard at table six just had a really crappy idea. <laughs> <laughs> just was, wanted yeah. to put their solutions upon you all this problem. Mm-hmm. For real. So that's kind of my gaming CV prior to Harlan and I getting together. And that's yeah, spoiler when- alert, Joe's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. How adorable is that? Like running around smacking trees and uh, just I was, questing as a child. We didn't have a lot to do. No, that's amazing. <laughs> I love you so much. It's so cool. <laughs> I know. I was like... Look, I want to hear from Harlan. Of course, I want to hear from Harlan. But also, I have 17 follow-up questions about little kid Joe smacking trees, about Mm -hmm. all of that. So, A, just kind of first of all, it sounds like definitely that urge to to create, but also create in a way that that you actively participated in was something that was very, like, ingrained or interesting to you kind of from, from an early age, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. My parents were always very, um, I'll say encouraging instead of forceful, um, but really wanted (laughs) my brother and I to participate in the arts, which was wonderful. And I'm very grateful for them. They put a lot of effort into providing for us in such a way that they were able to afford sending us to dance classes and piano lessons and things. And sometimes that was easier than other times for us as a family. But I was so involved in the arts that I decided that's what I wanted to do after uh, high school. So I ended up going to university for visual arts and I did that for four years. That's why I moved to the greater Toronto area. And yeah, it's always been about writing poetry or making a painting or, you know, just dancing. And I feel like D&D is really a part of that. It's another creative outlet for us. I mean, we are like hustling, you know, like trying to make our <laughs> hobbies right. yep. productive for us financially, but it also really does feel like something that we do for for the fun of it because it's awesome. And, and also it sounds like you pivoted from, you know, from, from, from new player to DM after a little bit, but then pivoted from DM to I'm organizing, you know, these intensive events and I'm DMing a lot and I'm doing this whole thing. So was there a switch that flipped for you of like, ah, DMing, that's what I want to be doing. I certainly know you best as a DM. And so what for you, if anything, was kind of that motivating thing to make the switch over to, to running games, to creating your own stuff? 
I mean, I jokingly say that it's because I'm a bossy person yeah. and I just yeah. want to be the person who's in control of things. But I think realistically, it's because I want to be in control of the world, of the, mm -hmm. the weather. I want to be in control of the people that you see when you pass by and the kind of food that's on the menu. And I also think that it's a really graceful thing to provide the space for other players to develop their own stories and to kind of be the stage on which the story happens. Um, so I don't know, the, the second that I got a taste of that, I wanted to do that most. That, that very, very much rings true for me, especially the kind of the setting the stage aspect of being the one providing providing things to react to, to react against, to interact with, uh, and exactly. then just letting, letting, letting the little player gremlins, you know, ruin and expa expand and explode all of the things. <laughs> well, Never ruin. I think it's almost parental <laughs> in a way at times, you know what I mean? Mm. Like not in a demeaning mm -hmm. way, but you, you know, you're, you, we have a five-year-old and, uh, you know, Joe is obviously amazing with him. And uh, I think there's a certain amount of, you know, love, respect, and, uh, and kind of the way yeah. you get to craft the life of your child is sort of the same way you get to craft the life of your players. And I think you mm -hmm. have a real, you know, is matronly, is that, yeah. that's not derogatory, is no, it? No, not yeah. at all. A real matronly side to you that kind of feels, you know, fulfilled when, when you get to do that. And Absolutely. I like to nurture my player characters. I always tell them, like, even if something bad happens to you and it's because I did it, I'm still <laughs> your biggest fan. Yeah, I promise. Exactly. Yes. Just like we talked to when we talked to the kid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Doing this for your own good. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No, that's I, I take a great delight, as I'm sure a lot of DMs do, in in causing pain to to player characters right and putting them in difficult situations and being like ah i am going to throw you into the deepest and darkest danger that i can possibly fathom but i am rooting for you i That's want you to best. win i want you to win but i am going to make you suffer in the interim so absolutely very much same harlan what about you how did you kind of start to get to be the the content creator uh, tabletop role player uh, writer that you are today Oh man. So I stayed very far away from RPGs for a very long time, purely out of ignorance and, and not understanding, mm -hmm. like 90% of people, I think. It seems like a very daunting world from the outside. Yes. You're like, that's too complicated for me. No, thank you. Um, but I was still a nerd in high school, just not the right kind of nerd. I was probably like one of the <laughs> yeah. band music, you know, drama nerd. Drama nerd. Yeah, kind of, but, you know, with a bit of stage fright and stuff. But. I had friends who had played a lot and when they went away to college, they played in their little dorm and I again tangentially kind of understood it. And one day I was invited to actually my friend's uncle's house who started off joining the Invictus stream actually seven years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I went over to their house Saturday afternoon. I made a level one fighter. It was a human. It was a character that I was kind of excited to play. We played through a campaign, you know, over a number of hours, and I didn't like it. I <laughs> was just like, nope, RPGs ain't for me. I was like, nothing about this really excites me. And uh, and that was it. And that's kind of where the story would end. Here if we it weren't are. for yeah. a yeah. post. <laughs> yeah, and that's where we are now. No, but I, I was on Reddit. And uh, in 2012, this was, so 10 years ago now, I came across a post. Shout out to someone named Nominal. Aeon, 10 years ago, they posted on an <laughs> RPG subreddit 
uh, called Our Group's Greatest Game. And he was talking about how they were playing a World of Darkness system, mm-hmm. which I yep. didn't know anything about. Again, right. totally. I barely totally still new. know anything about. Yeah, it's very confusing. And he was just saying how the GM um, used this mechanic that the GM had invented where they were slipping pieces of information on pieces of paper to the players to reveal a bit of their backstory as they played the game. And I thought it was the coolest idea. And almost separate from the idea of an RPG, I messaged the people I had played with, including that uncle and my brother who had never really played. Um, that much at least and I invited them over and I wrote this game which wasn't really a game it didn't use many die rolls but it was just about getting together and telling the story that I had envisioned and at the end of it all of them had a very similar experience like this was amazing and this was wonderful and uh, and I was left with the feeling that I've always continually sought out with each of my Mm -hmm. RPG experiences which is just this joy of being able to craft a story with the people at the table that you're with and Ever since then, I have enjoyed telling stories and RPGs are arguably the best way to tell stories in a collaborative way. So I kind of came about it in a different way than most people. Uh, And when I meet certain people that don't like RPGs and I, I see a similar thread, I usually pitch it to them the way that I was introduced, which is like, do you, but do you like telling stories or do you yeah. like sitting around a campfire and saying, okay, someone jumps out of the woods with a knife. What do you do? You know, and just kind of start that way. And then from there, my friend who was part of that group was like, Hey, I want to run uh, dragon age was really popular at the time, the video game. And they had just come out with the RPG and he was like, Oh, I want to run this game. And I was like, well, you know what? Google hangouts has this option <laughs> to stream it. <laughs> I was like, should we just do that? And I'll make a little YouTube channel up. And we did that. And that was the Invictus stream. And that was seven or eight years 2015, ago. January 2015. <laughs> yeah. And from there, we streamed every week, every Wednesday at eight o'clock. And that went on for a long time. Joe was brought on when we lost a player and we wanted more diversity. And uh, she and I hit it off immediately. And from there, I mean, the rest is history. You know, we came up with the idea of doing Dice Shame because. The Invictus stream is very light and very airy and very breezy. And we do it every Wednesday as a bit of a respite. But we wanted something a little bit more polished. And actually on our way down to Gen Con in 2019, myself, Joe, and the other creator of Dice Shame, Justin, um, Thomas James, who is a fantastic narrator in his own right and a wonderful person and my best friend, uh, we were like, let's do something proper and joe's like you know i'll run it we'll do a published campaign and i'm like i'll edit it and justin's like i'll do all the sound effects and since then (laughs) justin is credited as a creator and he's one of the amazing players he's sort of stepped away from the production side of it leaving it just on joe and myself but he still does the sound effects he just doesn't kind of worry about any of the other back end stuff because if that's how he wants to do it but all the original music is his as well and it's been an absolute blast in the RPG sense to to create all these things. I, I have like two two parallel like rails of questions that are very intertwined, but also separate. And I'm not sure which is the better to ask first. Hmm. So I think I'll start with how did the two of you start playing tabletop role playing games together? Because that that is there are a lot of certainly a lot of podcasts out there who have couples or spouses or whatever. Ours has that. But uh, how specifically for you guys as kind of the, you know, two of the creative heads of it, how did you start playing together and, and you know, kind of get to know each other? Well, we um, first started speaking in June, I think, of 2017 when Harlan 
went to meetup.com looking for, again, as he said, a lady to mm -hmm. join the stream, <laughs> someone who was going to be comfortable in front of a camera, um, someone who knew enough about RPGs that they were going to be able to hold their own and someone who he was going to be able to be friends with. So he found me as part of the Toronto area gamers. Like I said, I was a community organizer at that time. So he knew that I at least was yeah. somewhat competent in terms of speaking and communicating <laughs> with other people. And he sent me a, a message. He was like, Hey, just, so you know, I run this stream. Here's the link. I checked it out. It's like, holy crap, 50,000 views. I don't know if I want to be part of this. <laughs> and I think originally I said no. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Right off the bat, you're like, no. And then you waited like a few days and you're like, well, actually. It's funny because I, I have a job where I have to work around the clock pretty much. I do shift work. Yeah. So I wasn't able to commit. And I said, I don't. I don't think this is going to be for me. Like I can't be there every Wednesday night. Um, and I said, no. And then I think a week later, Harlan, you sent me another message that said like, just in case you're still interested, you should think about it. Cause this will be really fun. And I relented. Um, the first time we met each other was for the hot ones challenge that we recorded as part <laughs> of our extra life charity drive. Yeah. It was like a stretch goal essentially. Um, we continue to raise money for a charity together every year in November. So definitely come around the channel first weekend in November and you'll see a lot of craziness happening. We raise <laughs> money for uh, Children's Miracle Network hospitals. So we were recording ourselves eating the spiciest chicken wings on earth. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, at the time, I wasn't eating chicken wings either. So it was like <laughs> You actually did pickles. Pickles. Yeah. Um, Were they like fried pickles or just like yeah. a regular pickle that they yeah you just, we did the, you just dip it in hot sauce yeah yeah so yeah she did the these breaded deep fried pickles and we put the hot sauce which on them. actually gathers way more of the hot sauce so oh, she said makes sense. I don't really know <laughs> allegedly allegedly and yeah we we just mostly continued interacting virtually for you know about a year and then um, I asked him out on a date. And he said, yes, that was, I think, April of 2018. Yeah. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Harlan and I moved in and he proposed and, and we got then married we got a married. month ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, meeting that first time with snot running down our, our noses <laughs> and yeah. eating spicy wings was... Yep. I think I spilled a beer all over your floor too. Yeah, classic. But uh, yeah, and again, we do Extra Life every year. So far, cumulatively, we've raised almost $20,000 for Extra Life wow. uh, doing through the Invictus stream. So again, anyone listening to this, if uh, come check us out around November mm -hmm. because... Uh, we do a we do a good show, I think. Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, we're just streaming for a long time, but yeah, <laughs> people, people seem to like it. I don't know. Uh, uh, certainly, well enough to to help you raise twenty thousand dollars for extra life. So honestly, that's, I mean, good, our community that's a good is incredible. The best, honestly. So many people. I mean, every time we do stuff like this, I just want to list them off. You know, untold amounts of people that, <laughs> yeah, for real. You know, like as new people too. But I mean, you know, Ash, Bryn, Rain, right now are our mods in our community, and we have almost a thousand people on our Discord, and they are doing an amazing job mm -hmm. with it. Uh, but you know, we've had longtime people, Carly, like I'm looking at things right now on my shelf that yeah. people have sent us over the years that 
have ju- I literally have my coffee sitting on an Invictus coaster that someone sent me because uh, <laughs> you know, there's a real community that we've built around uh, the stuff that we make that is absolutely breathtakingly amazing. And I'm so fortunate that uh, how lucky we are that we have that. Can I ask you a question? I'm going to take um, the interviewer hat away from Nathan. How dare you? Me a question? Yeah, yeah, do it. Wow. How, because I wasn't there in those <laughs> early days. How did people start finding you like, yeah, and start absolutely. aggregating around you? What did that look like? That's a great question. I don't know when Critical Role started. Oh, it's just 2012. So we were after it. Um, but we, yeah, we were just streaming on YouTube. No one really was paying attention at first. Uh, Facebook at the time was really helpful because we had a Facebook group that was very, very active. And uh, honestly, I think kind of what's always been our number one garner for attention is the interactivity. I think, and it, yeah. and again, we'll talk about it later, but it's sort of core at the heart of Malevolent, the other show as well, the interactivity. But we really pride ourselves on trying to talk to the people that are watching our stuff and trying to interact with them. You know, people would pop up on stream uh, while we're streaming and, and ask about something and we would stop and be like, oh, this is this and this is this. And, you know, for the past seven years, well, five for Joe, but we've really cut our teeth on that live atmosphere and being back and forth with with that, which has given us a lot of opportunities now, you know, on Tuesdays, we now stream for Sigil Entertainment. On Thursdays, we have an interview show with Pinnacle Entertainment, who makes Savage Worlds. Um, you know, we have many different sort of facets to that live show that we have right now that have sort of come up overnight that is kind of surprising when you think about it, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a bit surprised. But great question, Joe. I really appreciate Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> right, I'm going to hand the hat back to Nathan now. I mean, Sorry, I you, can, you can keep it if you want. That's just fine with me. <laughs> oh, you know, this is a conversation. So anyone can be curious about anything. Uh, yeah. And and that that transitions nicely, I think, to to something that I was I was really interested in especially again, like I said, you guys are, are really the first people who I've talked to who have been here and been in this space for as long as you guys have and, and been ex- as successful as you have and, and really just kind of gone outside of, of the people that I know who was a lot of like, we started during the pandemic or we started just before mm-hmm. the pandemic. So, so kind of first, especially for you, Harlan, since you were obviously there from the get-go, was there a point that you realized, oh, hold on, this is this is gaining a little more traction than we thought than I thought maybe from just like throwing up a Google Hangout version on YouTube uh, to into kind of like, okay, I'm going to take it a little more seriously, or I'm going to be growing a little bit more, or I'm going to be kind of refocusing. Was there a point where that happened? Yeah, it's interesting. I think I see a lot of creators now, and that you know the landscape is so different. And I think there's a, yeah. a number of different ways to view this type of thing. And I think more common is the kind of people who are like, "Oh, I want to make a podcast or I want to make a stream," and they will, you know, either research other shows or they'll look at ways to grow their brand, and they'll sort of use that smart business mentality or their experience just to be like, "How can I make the best version of this?" And mm-hmm. in order to grow viewership, I never had that side of it, which I think speaks to why the Invictus stream has been on for seven years. And I think we make some pretty damn good stuff at times, <laughs> but there's no, you know, we're nowhere near millions of anything. You know, we're just kind of there because my goal has always been about making cool shit. And yep. I really ramped up the desire to tell a complex and interesting story 
pretty early on, you know, around 2016, we ran a Call of Cthulhu game, which to date has, you know, massive amounts of views in terms of what we're, what we have, which again, in the, in the grand scheme of thing, isn't all that much, but in terms of what we were doing at the time was, was huge. You know, we got a lot of feedback on that first campaign purely because it was something that I was really excited to, to run and to play. Not because I, I worried about the back end, which, you know, looking back, had I worried about the back end, it probably would have been more beneficial for us now. Um, but yeah, just in terms of my storytelling acumen and wanting to tell a better story, uh, you know, our Call of Cthulhu one game has 100,000 views with zero promotion, zero anything other than just word of mouth. We've never monetized anything on that channel, which is, again, what I mean by <laughs> putting in the quality of work, but not the back end stuff, which has always been my biggest downfall. You know, kind of on the other hand, though, is that you you guys, especially starting when you when you did have outlasted a lot of other streams, a lot of other podcasts, a lot of other creators have spun out to other different, very successful, critically acclaimed shows, uh, award-winning shows, all kinds of stuff. So for both of you, how has your kind of relationship with the stuff you're creating and with the kind of tabletop role-playing content, air quotes, air quotes, air quotes, content creator community, how has that evolved and changed over the years? I think for me, when I started making game, making content uh, for the Invictus stream, I felt like I had a very narrow view of what an RPG was. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time poring over rule books and making uh, handy reference documents for the players. I remember when I ran <laughs> Feng Shui 2 for the stream i sent everyone a like preliminary session zero pdf that was all color coded to help people <laughs> remember how to roll things and stuff and uh, as time goes on i as time went on i found that i had a lot more comfort in terms of letting the story be the primary focus just as someone who has kind of that like crunchy academic sort mm -hmm. of brain the way that i liked playing rpgs changed because i liked having fun with people and i feel like osmos like fun osmosis happens when you're <laughs> sitting around a table with people you start to have fun the way that other people have fun too like if you if you have like a really off topic batty conversation in character with someone and it sounds like they're having an amazing time and you make each other laugh like that becomes something that you get excited about and it's yeah. less about the mechanics and it's more about the story that you get to tell so obviously hanging out with harlan all the time and bashing ideas around and playing RPGs and and sitting down and going, oh my God, what game are we going to play on Wednesday? And just coming up with like a really off the wall idea. It really changes who you are and how you have fun. So I think, honestly, I, I became a more fun loving type person uh, <laughs> as time went on. <laughs> and I think we've only ever kind of been up against ourselves. Like I, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. unlike many other creators where people might you know, I don't know, compare themselves to other shows Absolutely. or sort of try to take and even with Dice Shame, you know, and I think the instinct is there because I think at the start of Dice Shame, there was kind of like, oh, you know, what does Glass Cannon do? And then almost right. immediately we're like, nah, like we're not going to do it that <laughs> way. Like we're just going to do the best thing that we mm -hmm. can do the way we want to do it. 
and create in a bubble rather than try to grab from yeah. the outside because then it becomes a matter of oh well you know episode 50 made us feel this way can we get here for 100 and it's very very internal i find our process mm-hmm. versus what i've seen a lot of other creators well it's interesting i was talking with james who's the dm from dimension door podcast i was talking oh, yeah. to him about this he was like hey joe what what actual play podcasts are you listening to right now and and I don't listen to any anymore. Yeah. Like before I started making an AP, I was a huge fan of the genre mm-hmm. and I consumed a lot of that kind of content, especially because I commute a lot and I just had a lot of ear yeah. time. But I think it's partly because when your life is so saturated with something, you just <laughs> uh-huh. need a break from it. And it's also partly because I want I shame to be its own flavor. Yeah. I don't really want to borrow other flavors from other people. And I think it's it's harder when you hear something and you really admire it, not to try to, to bake that into your own product in a, a kind of way, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So I stopped listening to actual play podcasts altogether pretty much. And I'll dabble in a little bit because like you said, we're part of a community, obviously, of creators and you don't want to just give people lip service like oh great job on your show and not ever have heard it so you know i'll dabble in and check out what the voices sound like and and what is their show about and the kind of vibe and just so we know we're not stealing yeah but i just i (laughs) want to get excited legitimately with people about their show but then additionally like I, I don't know. I only have so much emotional energy and I kind of have oh. to dedicate that toward the, the show that we're doing. And Dice Shame has been going on for, what, almost three years now? Yeah, 2019, I think, if I remember mm-hmm. right, is when I saw October it. October 2019. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. You only have so much. Yeah, and, and again, I think it is just the way that we've always done it. I, I like, even with Invictus, it's always been about okay how can we do the next campaign better or or different or tell a different story and we you know we bounced a lot with invictus you know we started off with dragon age then call of cthulhu then the strange then numenera we played star wars star wars call of cthulhu end of the world again yeah there's (laughs) tons of end of the world lots of D &D. and then and then oh probably over the last three years just systemless just here's a fun idea. Let's roll with this and not worrying about roles, even just kind of telling a fun story. <laughs> yeah. Just using the weekly stream as like an opportunity to do kind of an improvised storytelling experience. And one person is kind of in charge of leading the way. Yeah. Harlan yeah. especially likes that. Style. Well, to me, I'm, I'm, you know, it really scratches the itch of bouncing between a lot of different ideas. Yeah, you know, sure. I'll be lying in bed and I'm like, Oh, you know, teenage mutant ninja ferrets. Let's do that. And it'll just be like, we're going to sit around and we're going to be ferrets and you guys are in the sewer and, uh, you know, and I'll write usually kind of a tentative story as a background and then it won't happen. Or sometimes it'll be five notes (laughs) like, oh, I want castle, uh, ship falling, uh, flood and, you know, space. And that'll be kind of the game. And then we'll just run with it. The bag rat of Wolf Mountain. Yeah, I bag think. rat of Wolf Mountain. Uh, you Nigerian made, Prince email scam the RPG. You made credits for that game, and then <laughs> yeah, we you, use it that. Was it? You just. But I mean, some of the titles alone, you know, uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, the RPG, which again just has <laughs> nothing to do with anything, and like you know, get fucked, Barry Baxter, the RPG, mm-hmm. and Cobra <laughs> Lull, and uh, Down Darker Paths. They're all just random 
one shot ideas that were just like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if you guys had to go to. And sometimes it's to try out new ideas we had. Like I was hearing uh, from a friend who worked in the Navy. Uh, sorry, worked in the Navy, was in the Navy, whatever, how, however, however the who Navy works. Navied. <laughs> he was Navy. Yeah, served, ner- navaled, whatever. Yeah. Navaled. Well, he, you know, he would say how they played a lot of RPGs, but they didn't have, they didn't carry around dice. So what they would do is they would write down the numbers in their margins, one to 20, and sort of use it like a point buy system. So you would choose what you want to succeed at, leaving you the ones when you, you know, you have to roll a one at some point. I thought, what a great idea. So a few weeks ago, we ran a game called Cull of 20 that... I set against the backdrop of kind of a bizarre looking space horror game that rather than having them roll, I just had them cross off numbers and stuff, you know? So sometimes it's just about trying new ideas. And, and from that, we've really extrapolated some, some really awesome game ideas. I think that the, the Invictus stream is a great example of, like you said, your guys's kind of commitment to being like, well, we're just going to do what is interesting to us. Mm-hmm. And yes. what what invigorates us and what continues to fuel us and not worry and what so we think much. The community is gonna have fun with too. Like yeah. we always have people joining us on Wednesday night on Discord who want to laugh and have some company. <laughs> and so if they seem to really like something, we might, you know, pull that out to entertain someone if they're having kind of a rough week or whatever. It's definitely happened before where Harlan's like, Oh, do you did you guys have a really shit time with the Roe versus Wade being overturned? Who wants to laugh tonight? Let's do <laughs> something goofy or let's do something really scary and get your mind off of it. You know, like it's not solely about entertaining ourselves. Yeah. And I think to that note, almost every uh, player or GM or, or friend that we've had on the stream kind of comes in and they're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, what do I need to learn? What do I need to prep? And we're like, I ah, don't worry yeah. about it. And then they'll play. And then <laughs> I think universally we're kind of pitching a hundred or batting a hundred for people being like, oh wow, that was so fun. Like that was not what I was expecting. And but we're you like, really yeah. think people are going to be like, that sucked. But they You're come back. <laughs> but they keep coming back. But they keep being like, like I, I remember the first, you know, Gary had played a few because again, we run some streams for other uh, you know, which need rules Ventures. because we're yeah, we're we're promoting their stuff. And then when they come on Invictus, you know, like I remember Gary specifically being like, oh, man, he's like, I so prefer this kind of game where we're just telling a fun story. Mm -hmm. And I think when that, you know, when we meet the right people and they join that kind of game, they always walk away being like, oh, sign me up for the next one. Like, I want to do that again because that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I feel like that's because that's to me right now, that's kind of the rarity. I think a lot of streams, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know more rules focused or if they're rules light they still have the rules i don't know of another stream that's literally like we haven't rolled a single time because there's no system not because we're like (laughs) just not doing rolls we're just like uh sure roll a d20 what am i rolling on i don't know did you get high cool yeah then you do it i don't remember what the game is called but it was the one where erica was playing that um that like army person with her mouth wired shut yeah but we didn't roll (laughs) roll a single dice until maybe the last 10 minutes of the game and harlan was like okay just uh roll a d20 yeah (laughs) do we add anything to it no (laughs) do you think you'd be good at it great you're dead because i don't know i think like you you reach a certain point in your gaming career and you either go one of two ways i feel like you get really insular into like wanting to try uh, miniature wargaming and you're like okay this isn't enough I want to get more crunchy yeah, the crunch. you know because you've 
seen it all or you go the other way. And I think it's pretty rare that people go the other way where they're like, I just want to do less rules forever. And I want to just be doing the zany storytelling side. It doesn't have to be zany storytelling either. It can be really methodical, really sensitive, heart-wrenching storytelling. And you still don't have to do that many roles. Like when we played through... Uh, Tim Woods's Green Knight RPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did try to adhere to the mechanics as much as possible, but that was some of the best RPG we've ever had. But and I was even thinking if there's a game that Justin ran for you and me where we played parents of a, of a child member mm-hmm. who was suffering something and that was, and I've done one with Justin that was that Coda, that was three different time periods and no, not a single role in the entire thing and he was just aging gracefully as he went on like a long voyage and he loved, we loved it, you know, like Shit like that is so cool to just make. So you guys have been storytelling either in long form ways or in kind of bite sized chunk campaign ways or just goofy one shot ways or in long form audio, audio drama ways for quite a while now uh, across really all your shows. Have you noticed or learned anything about yourselves in terms of what kinds of stories and characters you like playing and exploring? Or is it the opposite where now you have become truly unburdened because you've told so many stories and can now just kind of chase whatever, whatever, you know, is taking your interest in, in the given moment? Great question. For myself, when I have the opportunity to play a character, I do find myself gravitating towards characters who have similar values to mine. Hmm. However, I really like the opportunity to run them into the ground, to make (laughs) some decisions that I wouldn't necessarily make because they're dangerous or because I know that they might have a poor outcome. Especially when I'm playing a one-shot, I will often be looking for that death at the end (laughs) of the show because it's fun, because that's fun to fail. Um. I think that's evolved for me. Like I'm I'm not really as concerned as I was initially about winning the game of RPG. It's more about mm-hmm. focusing on other things for me. Um Yeah, I think for me I'm at the the time in my role playing career where I've kind of I feel like I've done every version of character that I want to. I'm I'm now in the mindset of enjoying to play a character and not worry about making a new one like even now when we're doing one shots i'll kind of rotate to an older one just because you know seven years uh and that's a game every week that's what like 450 games or something i mean like, you're not necessarily yeah. playing different characters all the time but we the vast majority I am. or if i'm not playing different characters and i'm running it i'm creating different npcs which are just a way for me to be playing different characters anyway but i've played Everything from like a New Zealand accented slug to like, uh, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the more grounded, bizarre detective kind of characters. And it's not that, it's just that kind of everything I come up with now, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like I've done that before. And no matter how many accents I do or how many different, right. you know, so I'm, I kind of like falling back on my old favorites. But in terms of storytelling, we, we've learned to stretch out the sentences rather Mm -hmm. than try to worry about creating the whole thing. You know, it'd be more along the lines of a game we ran a few weeks ago, which was what if the film version of Nosferatu came out (laughs) and uh, the actor who played him and he thought that he was really Nosferatu 
uh, and you encountered him, what would you do? That game more than a shadow, you know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, it was kind of like that, the half of the movie from last action hero where the movie monsters are like coming to life, yeah. but they're actually not movie monsters. And how do you deal with that? And it was just like that. And that was like a sentence. That's it. Right. That's, that's a one very specific pitch. And I think we've realized that rather than worry about making a campaign, you can just make an entire game with one sentence yeah. and see what comes of it. Yeah quick here's the thing and let's let's just run with that and see what happens and Uh, whatever that thing is go for it it's very freeing because it's so different to malevolent and dice shame which are these long form stories that we do really labor over that we spend a lot of time making sure that narratively they're complex and satisfying and i think that's a great point because invictus started off invictus is really the breeding ground of everything we've done yeah and it it started off as being long-form storytelling at times you know serious DD role-playing at times and wacky one shots and we've sort of taken those three pillars of everything we do and separated them malevolent is now the deep rich narrative that has you know all of my wants for deep sound effects and original music and and good acting and all of that stuff that I really pride myself on. And then Dice Shame has become that awesome long play, actual play storytelling with a fantastic GM that I love dearly, as well as (laughs) quirky characters. And then Invictus has now become sort of the catch-all of those one-sentence ideas that we're just feeling weird about. Yep. Test drives. Yeah. So to both stage some of the next questions that I have, but also... Just for people who are you are listening and are curious, Invictus, your regular stream where you just try out weird ideas <laughs> and weird yep. systems and interesting new stuff. Can each of you and, you know, I, I assume Joe can talk about Dice Shame and Harlan, you can talk a little bit about Malevolent. What are those two products and projects? How long have they been going? All that kind of stuff. Well, so Dice Shame is an actual play podcast, meaning it is myself as the DM. And then there's a cast of players. We have Harlan playing Red Hand and Robin. Uh, our friend Rob Diobald plays Jack Page, the wizard. Crayloth is played by Justin Thomas James, who we referred to earlier as also one of the creators, mm-hmm. or originators of Dice Shame. And then um, my brother-in-law, Alex Guthrie plays Doran Iron Fist. So these four characters are being run through the Storm King's Thunder uh, pre-published adventure by Wizards of the Coast. It's a 5e D&D adventure. And I really did stick to the book early <laughs> on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I think I started to as I was getting more comfortable with both the format and the content, I started to branch off into my own storytelling ideas. And around episode 20 to 50, started making some big leaps and bounds away from the book. So we still do return for the overall plot, essentially. Um, Minor spoilers for Storm King's Thunder. The boys are attacking giant uh, conclaves or kingdoms or bases right now as written in the book. However, all of the side action is generally (laughs) stuff that I have invented or together with the other players, 
we have come up with together as stuff that's happening in the world. Yeah, it's a, it's usually we try to keep it to about a half an hour every week it comes out on Thursdays. So we want it to be really consumable to feel bite sized. And that's important because at almost 150 episodes, we do want people to <laughs> feel like it's not an insurmountable amount of content that they can't get caught up. Like if you sit down yeah. and listen for half an hour, that's an episode start to finish. So I mean, we do occasionally episode 50, I think was an hour and a half, but that's one that we produced like as a special episode for Wizards of the Coast, uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. So that was like a, a special case scenario, usually 30 to 45 minutes. And then, yeah, Malevolent is an audio drama that sort of came about after Dice Shame. We had started our Patreon and we were looking for ways to reward patrons with something special. And I had heard about people doing sort of offshoots of their own show. Mm -hmm. And I am a huge fan of the mythos, uh, not Lovecraft because he's a piece of shit, but <laughs> I am a big yep. fan of like the unknown horrors of the world. And I wanted to sort of do a one player RPG idea about a blind protagonist, a magically blinded protagonist and a voice in his head that's guiding him. The voice is a mysterious entity. So I started it pretty, you know, just off the cuff to see what would happen, sent it to some of our trusted fans, mentioning Carly again and getting their review. And they said, oh, it's really fun. So I started publishing it to Patreon and started getting very uh, well received amongst our patrons, so much so that they said, we should put this publicly. And the show is comprised of weekly episodes that come out every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. And it ends with a choice. You know, do you shoot the gun? Do you not? Do you go left? Do you go right? And the patrons get to choose on that. And then every four episodes, I edit them into one long part and release that publicly. And the public releases have been getting pretty good re mm -hmm. recognition for, you know, I think... I think we're just about to pass 500,000 downloads on the show. Uh, wow, congrats. Thanks. Uh, so it got picked up by a network, the Rusty Quill Network, which is famous for the Magnus archives. Mm -hmm. And it's a show that I think really strokes, well, my ego, but also satisfies <laughs> I mean, a number of things. Yeah, but you know, I, I wanted to do something entirely myself and everything on the show uh, pretty much from top to tail is done by myself. I write it. I play all of the characters. I do the original themes. I do the sound effects and I do the editing and obviously the writing. So everything is really just on my shoulders and I, you know, knock it out in a day and then piece it together at the end of the week. And, uh, it is a show that really, uh, I think encompasses a part of myself that really prides, you know, on something that I feel is quality. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty tight in that way. Uh, and I think the fans have been really receptive of it. And, and again, going back to the community thing, it's not just about Invictus or, or Dice Shame, but Malevolent as well. We have such a diehard community of people who enjoy what we're doing. And that's all we've ever really wanted. You know, they've said, I read early, early on, you know, you could have 10,000 people who are fleeting or 100 people who are there for you and everything you yeah. do and we've always been about that 100 and trying to grow it mm -hmm. and i think with 250 patrons right now i think we're probably sitting at or more i don't really know actually uh we're really happy and and thankful for how many people want to see us create more stuff so shout out to you if you're a patron <laughs> sincerely <laughs> Thanks, though patrons. 
Daishim would never have become a show if we didn't have people who were supporting mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And Malevolent literally was born out of an effort to say thank you to those people. Yeah. So it's amazing how much a little encouragement can do for a community. If you are listening to Reckless <laughs> Attack, uh, and, and obviously, or if you have other creators that you're really dedicated to, just go tell them that. Even if you don't have yeah. the cash to send their way, if you can leave a review or if you can attend to one of the communities, even just for a little bit and say, I really enjoy your show, yeah. it means everything. Oh, it really does. Uh, feedback for people in this field, obviously, Nathan, yourself as well, you know, is it's so important to feel like what you're what you're doing isn't kind of wasted or lost you know it's it's better than any sort of financial reward really just having a good review can make or break you know your day at times but it feels sometimes like you're like you make something and then you just throw it out yeah. the window into the void and hope that someone stumbles across it on the street and, picks it up <laughs> yes. and goes like oh I like this. I will take yeah. it home. You know, it's really nice to be able to look out the window and see someone pick that thing up and go, hmm. And I it's like so this. validating. Yeah, it's so validating. Yeah. You know, and at the same time, I think there's something to be said too about, you know, making that effort. I also see people who sometimes are, are like, oh, wow, you know, I really enjoy what you're doing with Malevolent. Um, you know, I, I hope that my show gets picked up as well. And I'm like, absolutely. Let me, let me hear it. Let me tweet it or whatever. And I will or I do. And there's a, passion there uh but also you know this is now competitive and i want everyone's passion project to blow up for them i want everyone to get to do what they want at the same time the hours that creators spend on their stuff account for the the reward that they're getting you know you guys had an article in that magazine gizmo gizmodo Gizmodo, sorry. You guys. <laughs> you sound like you're 55 years old. <laughs> Gizmo? I, I forgot. Uh, Gizmodo. But that was based on the fact that you guys put hard work into and dedication into what you're doing. You know, the fact that you're here interviewing other creatives is a decision that you're making to promote something that you believe in uh, by, you know, making it happen for yourself. And that work is pivotal and, uh, and blind luck. Honestly, for us, <laughs> just the fact that we're like, ah, someone stumbled upon that is just blind luck. Well, it's, a, you know, I, I say this to a lot of people. It's it's very cliche, but the old like luck is when preparation meets opportunity or whatever. Yes. Right. And like you got to catch a lot of breaks. Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of it is luck. A lot of it is the right person seeing it at the right time or the right group of people or the right the right Reddit or Facebook posts, you know, getting oh for real, or whatever. Yeah, but at the same time, like there's work that can a lot of work can go towards setting yourself up for those opportunities. 100%. Yeah. It has to be a mix of both. That's all, you know. And I think, like we, there are specific moments I can point to and say we lucked out so yeah. much there. You know, with Dice Shame, it was a Wizards of Coast thing stumbling upon, you know, and they came about through just a random person that we were talking to that we were really nice with and, and it just ended up being really beneficial for us. And that that was entirely luck. Mm-hmm. At the same time, had Wizards of the Coast uh listened to us and went, nah, 
uh, not these ones, then it, it wouldn't have been. And that was because they liked our tight editing and they liked the way that Joe ran the game and they liked the characters. And that was a decision in creation. So yeah, it's a combination of both. And it's clear to see the people who are not only passionate, but also take the care and attention because those are the ones that are standing out. You know, yourselves, Planet Arcana are a bunch of new ones that have come up that mm-hmm. are so clearly quality. Mm-hmm. And even on the audio drama side of things, you know, Parkdale Haunt is a friend of ours. Yep. And, uh, you know, f- listening from from episode one, it's so clear yep. that they were like, hey, we're going to put maximum effort into making this sound as great as possible. And they're renowned and, you know, critiqued, critically acclaimed because of that. <laughs> they're critiqued, you know? Critiqued. Yeah, that works. Critiqued, I think, is a nice shorthand, for sure. They're taking it. They're critiqued. <laughs> so I have I have questions about the actual shows you guys are producing, but but since we we kind of started talking about the community support and about and the interaction you have with the people who are watching your streams, has your relationship to those to that sort of attention and that sort of positive reinforcement or that enthusiasm or excitement has that changed when you're starting off early in a stream or in a podcast? One comment is a hundred percent more comments than, you know, <laughs> the sure, more positive sure. comments than you've ever gotten. And you guys have now been going for a long time and you guys still speak very glowingly about getting that feedback and getting that positivity. So what's your relationship like now, especially kind of in contrast to how it started with that sort of engagement and passion? I think for anyone who gets to do the thing that they love all the time, mm-hmm. sometimes you forget position that you're in. So we do occasionally, and I would say like anything else, have to remind ourselves how lucky we are. It's, It's hard to manage a community that's this big and to still give people the attention and Mm -hmm. interest that we did when it was a smaller community naturally. But we do work really hard to make everyone who comes and hangs out feel like they are, I mean, obviously welcome there, but Mm -hmm. also part of a group of friends essentially. And I think when you get a compliment from your friend, it's always going to feel really good. That's not to say that it's a consistent thing for us because sometimes just life being what it is, you have to attend to other things, right? We're doing this as a hobby still. It's not full-time for me at least, but man, every time someone says, when I hear the way that you describe things in Dice Shame, it makes Mm -hmm. me want to do my games X way or Y way. Or, you know, when you run combat, I get I got this great idea or I wanted to to run a Fraghemoth this way. Mm-hmm. It it always makes me really grateful. I don't know. I maybe I'm just really good at practicing gratitude, but I think <laughs> I think it's it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. And I think I think it's both of us um in in both real life and in our creative hobbies. You and I are very fortunate, probably first and foremost, to be a couple that gets to work together Mm -hmm. because the amount of times we get to remind each other and be like, hey, but look at where we are and look at how great this is. And honestly, that reinforcement, that cyclical sort of support, 
it can be sometimes you know counterintuitive when you're like ah oh, no you're right you're right you're right don't worry you're amazing and then you're like ah maybe that wasn't right. <laughs> but yeah. honestly I think I think both in our I want to say real life but both in our personal life and in our creative life I think you and I make a priority of gratitude uh, because you and I personally have had some real strifes that we've had to overcome Mm -hmm. and i think that's echoed into the appreciation that we try to remind ourselves and as you said is it perfect absolutely not there are times we totally lose the plot and we forget where we are and and how lucky we should be i can be a real baby sometimes oh i can (laughs) i mean yeah humans we're we're babies Mm -hmm. yeah but then we always have that ability to be like but hey you know what you know, I think we're both each other's cheerleader at times and we're both each other's support, but also we're both each other's tough love. And to be like, you know, you and I are really wonderful companions in every way besides married couple, but also creative uh, counters to each other. Yeah. If, we hope. if anyone listening can find someone in their life that they want to play RPGs with every day, but also like is their soulmate. Um Hold on to that person. Can, can recommend. Can. Yeah. <laughs> recommend it very highly. A plus yeah. plus will order again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's not just being grateful people, but having someone in your life to remind you to be grateful is kind yeah. of the, the best way I can mm-hmm. put it. And again, I, I promise I do have a million questions about your actual actual shows, but conversations and humanity. You guys have been creating together as a couple for a long time. What you said, five five years since Invictus, and you've been creating Dice Shame together yeah. for three plus three, right? Almost whatever it is, almost for three years. also mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah, and and what has what has that meant for your guys's relationship? We have all become a lot closer because of it. Hanging out with Harlan who I spend so much time creating with (laughs) quasi professionally means that we can be at the grocery store having a conversation about an imaginary world um, that no one around us is going to understand what the fuck (laughs) we're going on about. Like we'll be talking about the mine cart that was rocketing downwards in a corkscrew and troglodytes around every corner and then (laughs) arrows flying and, and how cool would it be if, but you know, that's not something that a lot of people have the opportunity to experience. And it means that, we kind of always have something to do together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. It's really rare that we'll be sitting around bored. For real. In fact, sometimes we we need more boredom because you and I, <laughs> yeah. you know, when we're comfortable and just relaxing and doing nothing, it's tough sometimes not to be like, oh, hey, so I was thinking for this episode, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, but at the same time, I say that. And yet, you know, on our honeymoon, we carved out an entire week where I don't think we talked about any of that stuff. So it's clear that you and I we have still brought D&D with. Oh, us. of course. <laughs> but we didn't worry about creating anything. It was like purely just and what I mean to say is I think what's so great about our relationship is that you and I, if we never had these hobbies, you and I would be so compatible as we are you know Mm -hmm. it's so clear that you and i have so much more than the sum of what we create together of course which is really important and imperative it's just better because on top of that (laughs) we have the things that also unite us in that way which i love about about you yeah um i think for me on the negative side of things Mm -hmm. it's 
sometimes hard for me not to get emotionally invested in stuff that happens in a fictional world inside the game. (laughs) And occasionally when we finish playing a game, I'll be like upset about the way that my combat happened. You know what I mean? And that will have to, we'll have to like play through that together or unpack it, I suppose. But I think that happens with anybody that you play RPGs with, you know, sometimes I have to have a hard conversation with Justin or with Rob or not so much with Alex. He's pretty yeah, easy, he's pretty easy going, but <laughs> just as a nature of like a GM player. And, and for sure. And, and as a nature as a, like a producer on this too, you know, I, yeah. I have a very distinct vision at times, mm-hmm. you know, and Joe and I are on the same page 99% of the times. But when it comes to like individual performance or decisions, you know, she will have thoughts about my character and I will have thoughts about her GMing that are purely from a producer standpoint, not a player standpoint. Because and the rare times and it's happened once or twice where I'm like, I'm saying this as a player, you know, it's like it'll be like, hey, as a player, I'd really like if I could use this weapon. You know what I mean? Like, how can that be? But most of the times it's like, oh, as a producer, let's re-record that line or take this slow. Like, in fact, I was just editing the other episode the other day where where, um, you know, you you, and this is not Joe's fault at all because we have players that love shoving in during her narrations, you know, like especially my brother Alex. (laughs) She'll be doing a narration (laughs) and she'll be like uh, just powering through it because she knows if she leaves any space, Alex. (laughs) So I, you know, yesterday or last recording, I was just kind of like, hey, you know, take it easy, like relax. No one's going to interrupt you or whatever, you know, and like notes like that because I recognize that she is in the moment trying to deal with the real things, but I'm also listening to the back end being like, oh, I know how this is going to come across and you're going to be rushed. And that example of that relationship, that's kind of the best way I can put it, that we walk the line between couple producers, creators that honestly, most of the time is pretty great. But every once in a while, yeah, real world feelings when I'm like, hey, slow down Mm -hmm. might make you upset that didn't happen in that case because you were like absolutely mm-hmm. great point sometimes i'll just be like i don't want to record yeah well, that's- anymore because <laughs> you know too. you get exhausted with the commitment i mean we decided yeah. when we started making this show that we were never going to miss a week but that also means that it can be a little bit demanding and you yes. know you get grumpy about that stuff sometimes even about stuff that you really like to do that, that was kind of my, my other question is you have been doing it for so long, doing it together, doing it as pretty much the same core group of people, obviously swapping out, especially on Invicta stream, you swap out guests all the time, but mm-hmm. it's still you guys making it and making content every week and mm-hmm. every month and f- for five to seven years. Uh, ha- have you guys, how have you guys navigated what I'm sure was some amount of burnout over the years, especially when you're DMing and producing and creating and all of that takes energy and time and brain power and emotion. Uh, how have you guys dealt with that over, over the years? I mean, I, Harlan is a juggernaut. I was going to say, I don't really get burnout. I, 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 I pivot, I think, maybe, mm-hmm. is what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
cool. Like this is a thing. And then I like right now, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but like, you know, between Daisha Malevolent and Victus, I'm also producing another series with a, with a friend, Mark Harris, as well as I'm editing a show called the town whispers. And we stream twice a week on Tuesday and now Thursdays. Yeah. I feel good with all that. Like I'm not worried about that. And, uh, and that's not, and that is a not any way meant to be like a flex. All I mean to say is, I think there's a there's a part of me, and it's funny because Invictus is a very purposeful name, you know, undefeated, like bloody but unbowed. And I I have always really felt when things are at their peak, when when I'm kind of surrounded on all sides, that sometimes I feel really good, like exhilarated almost. Like when when there's overwhelming, like right now we're doing an interview, we're packing up our house. Uh, Joe's grandfather passed away last week, and I have a kidney stone right now as we're yeah. doing this. Um, I, I I very often was like, "Hey guys, if you want to reschedule this, like we're no, cool, I, don't worry, I, we can find someone else, or we can push it back." And you're just like, "Nope, you're very see, see you then." Yeah, no, and I and I and I mean this sincerely because there's nothing. Uh, I, people need breaks, and people should take breaks. And and so often the community is like, "Oh, Harlan, don't push yourself." I, you know, I recorded an episode while while. On co- well, going through COVID, we re- I had an episode come out on our honeymoon. You know, I didn't record on our honeymoon, but like to <laughs> me, there is a there's a certain drive that I really um, get exhilarated with. I think there's and- a reason that people, and I know you're not going to like this because Harlan has a hard time with compliments, <laughs> but there is a reason that people say that you're the hardest working person in this community right now. Because that's the whole reason you started Malevolent is because you didn't want to have to rely on anyone else's whims in terms of their work ethic. You were like, I want to make a show every week and I don't know anyone else who's going to be able (laughs) to commit to it to the same levels that I want it to be made. So I'm just going to do it all myself. Yeah. Which is awesome. For yeah. for my part, mm-hmm. I do struggle with that occasionally, more than occasionally. And we tend to work around that by sometimes leaning back from the amount of investment that I have to do. For example, when we're doing an Invictus stream, say I had a really hard shift at work and I'm just not feeling like my energy levels are there, we'll do a video game stream instead. So we don't have to be on camera we can step away a little bit. We don't have to be as creatively invested as an mm-hmm. RPG would require. Fun kind of happens to you while you're playing a video game <laughs> instead of having to make that fun with an yeah. RPG. But overall, I would say Harlan just fucking makes it happen. And sometimes <laughs> I'm along for the ride and sometimes I am right there beside him. No, I mean, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. There are times when on a Wednesday stream, I'm like, ah, I don't really want to do it, but I don't, I don't think I feel overwhelmed in that way. And I, and I don't know why. And I, and I want to make it clear that I'm not the kind of person that pushes that feeling onto someone else. I'm never the kind of creative that's like, well, come on. Like, I could do it. You do it. <laughs> no, I feel this way. Not. Yeah. Well, I think no. there's it's a very important distinction because, like, I, yes. I, my dad is like that, you know, and, and Alex is like that, too, in a certain extent. And I think because of those, I'm I'm very aware of being able to take on a lot, but also not desiring that from others and trying to be cool with like any mm-hmm. level of commitment with somebody 
equally, yeah, like malevolent, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to rely on anyone for this. I'm just going to do it all myself because that's kind of the speed at which I, I work sometimes, you know? Yeah. I love that. I, I want to work hard, but I am going to control what I can control, which is my investment and energy exactly. and yeah. that as opposed to any of the other variables of other people's lives or of their energy exactly. levels or their commitment levels. And it's like, I, I know what I can do and it is yeah. X, Y, Z things. And I will sure. work with those things. When That's exactly it. Yeah. When we're scheduling for a Wednesday night stream, Harlan is in. He has <laughs> always been in. He's yeah, the true. one who runs the stream 100% of the time. I think maybe there was one example where someone did a stream without you. Yeah, years ago. Years ago. Yeah. But 99.9% .9 of the time, Harlan is the one who is arranging the call, making it happen, etc. And then he sends out an email or he pings people on Discord and is like, who else is in for this Wednesday? He's a given. It's his stream, basically. But I think yeah. the reason that is is because early on, it, and maybe that's with a lot of these things, is oftentimes they don't feel like they are work to do them. And maybe that goes back to the gratitude thing. Like, to me, I'm at the age now and maybe the experience with streaming that if we streamed for on a Wednesday night and I kind of did fuck all and just talked with people, <laughs> I would feel fine. Mm -hmm. Whether there'd be five people yeah. or 150 people, I have no, I, I don't feel that sense of like, ownership to, to be like oh they deserve a good show sometimes i do where i'm like ah you know what like i've i've kind of been away from the community or whatever they deserve a nice thing but most of the time i'm just kind of like eh i'm i'm just happy to be here and have fun <laughs> yeah, also i would argue it's a muscle that you've exercised well yes. enough yeah. that yeah. you can do it with less effort than maybe it would take for other people to sit down once a week Agreed. with a, an audience and entertain them for three hours that's fair yeah yeah. And and of what are the people showing up for? Right. And if the people are showing up for to watch you guys just have a nice vibe and play some games and make some goofs or explore some emotions. Great. Expectations exactly. met, you know, exactly. I think that's true. Yeah. I think a lot of the core fan base has grown up around the idea of us being kind of just comfortable chatting with them and, and friends you know i think a lot of the role-playing actual play stuff came up when people felt like they wanted to be around tables with friends more and i do think that at least dice shame and invictus do tend to encompass that idea of hanging out with friends and and i mean to the extent you know seven years we've been i've been through a divorce i've been through the birth of my son i've been through uh probably my first kidney stone no that was after your gallbladder my gallbladder surgery <laughs> you know like we've we've experienced all of that with our community and not really shied away from it so yeah one of the last things i wanted to ask you guys and we'll start with you joe is you have been you've been play again this i i feel like i'm starting every question with you guys have been doing this for a long time there's a theme i'm sensing but, <laughs> but you guys have been well it's just a different interesting relationship uh than than i personally have or i think a lot of people have with kind of with both playing games and with creating content and all that kind of stuff what what does tabletop role playing game play do for you like what keeps bringing you back to the table, to the stream, to sit down and do that last little bit of prep. What excites you beyond like, oh, well, we just have another episode. And so therefore I need to keep keep going and keep preparing. Is there something that you have really identified as like, ah? That's a great question. 
I'm not sure that I can really distill it down to one thing in particular. Sure. More so that I just love a really good campaign. And this mm-hmm. is the longest campaign that I've ever been in. And so I've been really rewarded by seeing the fruition of a more longer form story, I suppose. Um, I love coming to the table again. We've, we've been recording virtually since the pandemic. Um, but I love coming to this virtual table and finding out what happens next, I suppose. Yeah. It's a bit like a soap opera in that there are so many twists and turns and developments and, and introductions and departures that I love coming to the show and playing Dice Shame because I love the stories that the characters are telling, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, Stor- I mean, characters and stories. like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harlan, and this is is both kind of for tabletop role playing games and for audio dramas. For you, what 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 keeps you going? What is so what is so interesting about that medium, and or those mediums, I guess in your case, and and that experience that keeps you coming back to the table, to the microphone, to the camera over and over, even when you have already said like, oh yeah, I've explored a lot of these characters and themes already, but clearly. There's more. There's there's still more juice for you. So what 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 does it for you? What keeps you excited and interested and engaging in that medium? It's a good question. That's how uh, I started my answer too. Oh. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think of a movie I saw when I was a kid. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's called The Legend of 1900, and it's with Tim Roth, and it's about a piano player, and it's about a, he he was born on a ship, and he spends his entire life on a ship. And he can't get off of the ship. He has immense fear and anxiety about leaving. And at the end of the film, he talks about why he can't get off the ship. Because he's immensely talented. He's just beyond talented. He can play anything. He has a a jazz piano duel in the film with Jelly Roll Morton. And he wipes the floor with him. And everyone watching is like, you know, just go out there. You would be a millionaire. But he can't. And at the end, he sort of says, beyond the ship, it's infinite you know how do you just choose one thing you know how do you choose one partner one house one place to live you know the confines of my life are this ship from from bow to stern and like a piano it has 88 keys it is limited but the music you can make on it is infinite and i kind of view rpgs and audio dramas like that as well it is a finite format you know, in the context of our story, it is finite. But what we can do with it, with the characters, with the with the choices we make, it is infinite. And I love the visual. I love I love the way that that feels to me. An infinite possibility in a finite mm-hmm. sandbox. And yeah. to me, that has always struck a chord with me because it makes me want to come back for more. You know, I'm never tired of playing the character I play in Dice Shame. I'm not tired, probably will get never tired of creating in the world of Malevolent. I have my finite rules. Here is the character. Here are the rules they function by. But anything you do within that is infinite. Does that answer the question? Kind of. Deeply and, and totally. Thank you. <laughs> so the last segment that we always have 
to to unlock your final ability to remind everyone where to find you <laughs> is our lightning <laughs> round. I tell everybody, no answer is invalid. That can include a one word answer. That can include a story. That can include, you know, I don't really have a good answer for that one. Next question. Cool. All valid, all good. I will try my best to restrain my natural urge to keep asking questions and follow up. So if you're just like purple. Cool. I will try to just be like, all right, cool. That is your answer. Valid. First question. And we'll go, we'll go back and forth. We'll have, we'll do Joe then Harlan for Perfect. each of these. Is your glass half full or half empty? I would like to say half full, but probably half empty, realistically. I ordered a cheeseburger. What excites you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Being outside. Hmm. Telling stories. What does not excite you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Religion. Ooh, that's a good one. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> smoking? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's the first thing that came to mind. What is your favorite sound? How fast do I have to? It's a lightning round, but I'm not feeling lightning <laughs> fast. No, um, I, I, that was the other. The other caveat is if you need to take a moment, by all means, do so. There are a lot of beautiful sounds in the world. But what's your favorite? I know my answer, but you have to do yours first, then. No, because then editing will be a nightmare. No. Oh. Good news. It's it's all. It doesn't. It people will understand. Be like, oh, that's Harlan's voice. That's Joe's voice. Oh, that's I get fair. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the sound of hard-soled shoes on cobblestone. Ooh. I think my favorite sound is Henry calling me mama. Oh shit, that's a good one too. <laughs> what sound do you hate? I hate it when you step on snow. That is that very strange combination of wet and powdery. Ooh. It makes kind of a cotton ball crunch that mm -hmm. sets my teeth on edge. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Probably an idling car. Just like, but like lazily, you know, like. Because <laughs> it's like incessant and just, I don't know. What's your favorite word? I don't have one. There's too many good ones. Trepidatious. Ooh. <laughs> What's your least favorite word? I, my brain is so full of words. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good problem to have generally. I don't know. I'm just thinking of words. Like, the, I don't know if I'm assigning value to them, but I... Yeah. There are so many words that it. sound First that great. First word that pops into my head. Yeah. Curl. It's <laughs> not my least favorite, but it's like it some people have have a you know the moist or whatever. No, you know what? It has but to like... be my full name. Ooh, that's Ooh. a good one. Mm hmm. Great one. Yeah, uh, Joe is a short form, and I don't like my full real name. Mm -hmm. Mine would be Flem. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Good one. <laughs> what tabletop role playing game or D and D etc. Monster or foe have you never faced or run? that you would love to? Aboleth. Good one. Popular one. Thank you. Oh, man. You don't know what you don't know. I mm -hmm. don't... I I mean, I've all the ones I'm thinking of, I've either fought or read about or run. Well, or just run. I, I mean, there's some creatures that are coming up in, in Dice Shame that I'm, I would really excited. The... Um, what are they called? You know, the ones from the Shadowfell that are like... 
seven, seven deadly sins, like greed or whatever. Mm-hmm. What are they called? The hungry, the lonely. Yeah, the... they have a name though, don't they? I know, they do. And I literally was just reading this in like Volos or whatever the other oh, day. Yeah. They're coming Hines. up in Daishim. They're really cool. I am flipping Sorosworn. The Sorosworn. Yeah. yeah Spoilers for Daishim. What? <laughs> What is your favorite adventure of all time? And it can be a tabletop role-playing game adventure. It can be... Mewage. can be Mewage. Mewage. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Same thing. Yep. So It's so good. What's your favorite tabletop role-playing game character of all time? And it can be yours. It can be one you played with. It can be one that you watched or listened to. I mean... I, I really like red-handed Robin. Yeah, red-handed Robin for me too. <laughs> because it doesn't feel like an extension of me necessarily, but a yeah. distillation of all the things we enjoy in a character. I shouldn't pick a char- a favorite in my children. Do it! <laughs> but, but yeah, for me, it's red. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. What gives you hope? The first cup of coffee every morning. What gives me hope? Man, so tough to not think of like Roe v. Wade and shit, you know? Because it's I know. Yep. That's why we ask. Um, In these times. In these times, what gives me hope? Honestly, there are certain creators that give me hope, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we were watching last night, we were listening to uh, Bo Burnham, his his Mm -hmm. music from inside. And, uh, you know, creators like that give me hope, I think, because they're funny, they're popular. And they also are sort of echoing some of the things I want to see more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you what doesn't give me hope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just on Bo Burnham for a second. I think the thing that I love most about him is the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a combination of that. As well as, you know, talking about his own failures, I think, is one of the things I really like about his new special. He's just kind of like, yeah, I'm problematic. A lot of my earlier specials were, were terrible. They said some offensive things. and and But he also still makes it funny. He's just a talented guy. Anyway, I don't know. Bo Burnham gives me hope. <laughs> <laughs> Very valid. Guys, you have officially run the Reckless Talk gauntlet. Thank you for coming. Get your last chance. Where can people find you? How do they support you? What should they be checking out? All that good, good plug stuff. Absolutely. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, our handle is The Invictus Stream. Find us uh, at www.dicehamepodcast.com. You can um, follow links on that website to check out Dice Shame as well as Malevolent, which you can also find at malevolent.ca. We have a really active Discord community. So if you're excited about Discord, please find us there. And uh, we don't really... We don't really go on Facebook very often, but we're on Twitter and Instagram as well. <laughs> if you want to see us or if you want to chat with us, Discord's mainly means. the one. To be Discord honest. is probably. You can the also one. support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/TheInvictusStream. Uh, we have a bunch of cool stuff there. You can, you know, be a part of Malevolent and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, we just love meeting cool people. So join our Discord. We'll talk to you directly super inclusive somewhat yep. hyperactive welcoming committee will <laughs> yeah be it's there a little much moments. at times but they mean very very well and yes. uh and they love very very holy and uh i love it and i wouldn't want it any other way i Absolutely. it's my vibe but i get it's not everyone's vibe so. <laughs> also check us out in november when we do extra life again we're gonna be yep. streaming for 24 hours uh maybe we'll have nathan on to hang out or play a <gasps> game or something like that 
be a and lot of fun. Uh, if you guys are ever in the greater Toronto area and you want to go to an amazing brewery, yes, Harlan runs trivia <laughs> there once a week. Chronicle <gasps> Brewing, uh, go yeah. check them out. They have some incredible D and D and nerd themed beers. We have so no sponsorship. We're there. just they're just cool people. Yeah, they're really yeah, amazing. <laughs> we'll make that crystal clear. <laughs> yeah. You guys, thank you so absolutely deeply for coming by. This was thank a wonderful conversation. Us. And it was just really exciting to get to talk to you guys and get to talk to like creator, you know, older siblings, basically. Yeah. And, and people who we definitely look very much up to. So you can run you. around in the woods with me, Nathan. <laughs> okay. Uh, I centuries. will say nothing further because what more could I possibly want for or ask for for an interview? Thank you guys. Really appreciate it.